Thank you everybody for joining. I really appreciate it. Those that are here live came out in the snow. Special pleasure to welcome my son Dovi, who's having all Shabbos from Yeshiva. And those that are tuning in live, and of course those that are listening to the podcast, I really appreciate it. We're up to Parshas Mishpatim. And also, Rish Chaydesh Adar, the Chaydesh of Marbim by Besimcha. We're looking forward to Mitzvah two weeks from tonight. It's going to be Purim. Mitzvah will be a wonderful Purim for everybody. Unusual because of COVID, unusual because it's on a Friday. But it's Purim nonetheless. At the same time, though, I was thinking, you know, with all the Simcha of Chaydesh Adar, this year it's a little bit bittersweet. Exactly, it was exactly a year ago that COVID came to these shores. And it was Mamish in these weeks of preceding Purim that it started spreading. And we know what happened on Purim itself. Or unfortunately, that was the first wave that hit our community. And many, many people got very sick. Many people passed away at Mamish as a result of Purim. So kind of bittersweet when we think about it. Unfortunately, we're still not out of the woods. We're still going through this terrible magefa. And uh, as we dive into the Rebbeinu Shalolam, Avinu Malkeinu Menam Agefa Minachla Secha, we dive into the Rebbeinu Shalolam. Please stop this once and for all. And also Shlacher for Shleimer Lechayle Amechod. All of those that are sick, who are struggling, or those that are in the hospitals, on respirators, on ECMO machines, or those that have not yet fully recovered. Well, I know unfortunately such people who uh, already close to a year. Since they got COVID and they're still not back to themselves, we dive into the Rebbeinu Shalom that they should all have a refuah shalom of a shochal Yisrael. So this is still on our mind at this point in time, and everybody's wondering what does the Rebbeinu Shalom want from us? What is the lesson that he's trying to tell us here, and what is it that we can do to help? And while none of us are Nevi'im, but we know, as we always say here in the Shia, the Torah is a Torah's Chaim. The lessons for life are always found in the Torah. It's a living guide. And especially the Parsha of the week, we can always find lessons and Ramazim that can tell us how to act, how to conduct ourselves. And it's appropriate and relevant for every time. And this, this Parsha is no exception. Parsha is Mishpatim. The Parsha starts off, Ve'ela Mishpatim HaShatosim Lifneim. Parsha Mishpatim is... A whole big list of uh, mishpatim of rules of mitzvahs that are given to Klal Yisrael. A total of fifty-three mitzvahs. It's almost ten percent of the Tyrek mitzvahs are in this parsha, dealing with Mamish a whole uh, array of different inyanim, starting off with the halachas of Avdivri and moving on from there to the halachas of Nezikin, what to do when you harm someone, whether physically or financially, and moving on from there to the halachas of uh, marriage, and halachas of Shemitah, and Shabbos, a whole big array of different mitzvahs dealing with all aspects of life. And Rashi tells us, right in the beginning, ve'ela mishpatim, says Rashi, why does it say ve'ela? Normally when it says ela, it's coming to be menait, but if it says ve'ela with a vav, it's coming to be merabe. What is it being merabe? That just like all the mitzvahs that we read about, the Sarah Sadibris in last week's parsha by Kabbalah Satayra, those were given at Har Sinai, of course. 
so too all the mitzvahs that are in this parsha were also given at Har Sinai. And the lesson that the Torah is telling us, that Rashi is pointing out, is that the Torah is not just a guide on the big things in life, on the ten big things of the Asera Sedibras, the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Of course. Just a second. Yeah, call to tell him to tune in. Which, of course, are not are the big things of, of, of keeping Shabbos and keeping Dafaim and not violating the Alochis of Ritzicha and so forth. But the Torah is a guide for a Yid's life and everything that he does, no matter where he is, whether he's sitting in the Basemendish learning Torah, whether he's keeping Shabbos, whether he's involved with the, honoring his parents, or whether he's in the business world, whether he's conducting himself at work. The Alocha, the Torah has what to say on how a Yid is supposed to conduct himself every day of the year, every day of his life, and every situation that he's going through, there's clear cut mitzvahs and how a Yid is supposed to conduct himself. And therefore, says Rashi, just like those mitzvahs are given at Har Sinai, we have to realize that everything else is given at Har Sinai as well. And so with that in mind, let's take a look at one of the mitzvahs, actually the first Indian that's discussed here in the parsha. As we said, Evid Ivri, a man, has no money, and in order to make some money, he decides to go out and steal. And he's caught. And he has no money to pay back that which he stole. So the halacha is... He sold based and sells him as an evidivri, as a slave. A slave to another yid, and, uh, and of course evidivri is not a real slave in the sense that the uh, master can tell him to do whatever he wants. There's halachas involved, what he's supposed to do. But he is definitely the person's evid in the sense that he has to follow whatever his master tells him. This can happen if he has to be, if he's sold. And in addition, sometimes a person can't afford it, he doesn't have any money to support his family. So what he does is he sells himself. Both, both, of course, are unfortunate situations, but those are the realities at times. The halacha, says the Torah, is that if the master has a shivcha kneinis, he has a, a slave, a woman slave, a woman slave who's a guy. This yid is allowed to marry her if he, the master, wants to have more baby servants, more baby slaves. So the halacha is, he can marry her. So the Chavetz Chaim points out really a fascinating thing. If a Yid, who's not sold as an Evedivri, he wants to marry a Goita, it's a Isur. He's going to get Malchus for doing such a thing. And yet here the Torah says, The master can give him a, 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 goy, a Goyish slave, a Shivcha Kneinis, to be married. His children from her are not going to be Yidin, they're going to be slaves. And if he leaves... After he leaves, they're still going to remain slaves. So he's building an entire non-Jewish household, and it's under the permission of the Torah. How do we understand this? Says the Chavaz Chaim, we see here what it means for a person to be subjugated as a slave. You know why the Torah allows him to do it? Because the Torah says, you can sell yourself as a slave, or the basement can sell you as a slave, and once you sell yourself as a slave, then you have to do whatever your master wants you to do, whether you like it or not. Even if it means marrying a guy. So that is the lesson. How chomer it is. How serious it is being sold as an evidivri. And therefore the Torah says, if he decides after his time is up, he sold originally for six years. He decides, no, I want to stay. I like my wife. I like my kids. I like my master. So you can stay till the Yoivel, but there's going to be something called the Ritzia. They're going to drill a hole in his ear. Why? 
Why in his ear? So Rashi says, the same ear that heard in Har Sinai, Kilibne Yisrael Avadim, you're supposed to be a Kaddish Baruch Hu's slave, a Kaddish Baruch Hu's servant. You're supposed to follow in his footsteps and be subjugated to him. Instead, you took on yourself a human master. Okay, that ear that heard it and didn't listen properly is going to get Ritzia. It's going to have a hole drilled in it. So the Torah doesn't look at it in such a positive way. Nonetheless, the person can do it if he decides to. And that's going to work until the Yavel. Once the Yavel comes, that's it. His time is up. He goes back home and he leaves his non-Jewish wife, non-Jewish children behind him. Says the Chavetz Chaim, if this is the case when it comes to the Avdus of a human being, so much more so a human being who sells himself or he finds himself in a financial difficulty and that's why he forces himself to be sold as an Evid. How much more Chamer is it if a person makes himself an Evid, you know to what? Not to another human being. He makes himself an Evid to his Yetzirah. That the Yetzirah overcomes a person and subjugates him to the point where he's totally under the control of the Yetzirah. As Chazal say, that Rishayim Libam Einam Bershusam. A person can reach a point, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, where he doesn't have any control over himself anymore. He's 100% controlled by his Yetzirah. And that also is an Avdus. But the difference is, is that the Eved Ivri, come the time, when the time comes, either after six years or by the Yevel, he's going back. He's done. But this person who's an Eved to his Yetzirah, to his Taivas, he's an Eved for life. If he doesn't struggle, if he doesn't fight, if he doesn't work to overcome it. And therefore, very careful, very important for each and every person to make sure that he, Chas Shalom doesn't fall as a, as a slave to his Yetzirah. Because that is even more chamer. It's even worse than selling yourself as an evidivri. So, with that in mind, I want to point out to the Oilam a very important letter that came out uh, just the other day from the Meyatzis G'dayle Atayra. Talking about the subject that we started off with, the COVID virus that's been unfortunately going on for a full year. And, of course, in addition to following the guidelines... <coughs> As, as to the best of our ability, uh, not, not, not doing things that, that, uh, that are hazardous to our health or to, others people, to other people's health, but spiritually, what lesson can we take and what can we do to be mechazak ourselves as a klal? So they point out a very interesting thing that's been happening in our community in recent years, and that is the excessive influence of materialistic materialism and excessive gashmias in all areas of life. For example, you open up a newspaper and you see all these advertisements and they're dealing with all kinds of gashmiastic things and this has a major influence on Kalal Yisrael. And so the Meyasas G'day Al-Tera says, and that's a call, they call it to the Rabbanim, to the Rosh Yeshivas, and to, and to Kalal Yisrael as a whole. We have to remember who we are. We have to remember that we're different from the Umay Sa'ilam. And they can live their life in a hedonistic way. It's all about the fanciest car, the fanciest house, the nicest vacation. Okay, but for them that's okay. But us, Klan Yisrael, we're different. And we have to remember, We're different. We have different standards of living. We're supposed to have different values. 
And we have to be very careful not to fall prey to the Yed Sahara, who's trying to, to trap us and to bring us down, chas v'shalom, to the level of the Umay Sa'ilam. And that is something that we can, each can, can gain chizuk from and try to be mechazik. And as our Abanim are telling us, this certainly, if taken as a whole, can bring chizuk and hopefully be ma'ayar rachme shamayim for Klai Yisrael. And really to go into this Indian, I want to start off. Like I said, I left my notes at home. But very interesting letter. There's a, uh, there's a newspaper called the Yated Neman, and they have a shidduch feature every week where people who are in Shiduchim or who know people who are in Shiduchim, they write questions and they're answered by Shadchanim or people who are involved with the dating process, people who are mumchim. So a person sends in a question like this. She says she's been active in Shiduchim for some time as, as, a, as a married person who's trying to help her single friends. And what she notices is that there's been somewhat of a shift in recent years in that people, they reject Shiduchim based on chitzonius and the way a person looks or on other superficial ideas. And she feels that this is a new thing that hasn't been going on for a while. She asked the Shadchanim, what's your opinion on this? Okay, and different people gave different answers, but I want to tell you the answer of a well-known uh, dating coach. His name is Shaya Ostrov. He's a well-known dating coach who helps uh, older, older singles in particular, uh, a social worker who lives in Farakaway. And he tells, he says, let me tell you a story. My Shahaya, with him, a young man comes to him, he's engaged. And he says, you know, my call is everything that I was looking for. It's really a uh, 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 hush of a girl and uh, with good midos and good values. Everything is good. What's the problem? He said a year ago, he was engaged to somebody else. That girl that he was engaged to, she was mamish the cream of the crop in terms of chitzonius. She was the most beautiful person ever. He was thrilled. What's the problem? After they got engaged, he sees that while she has all the chitzenius milus, but the pneumius is rotten to the core. And she said she and her family, they had very bad midos, and they're very controlling, and they were trying to control his every move, even as an engaged chassan. All right, so he went, he spoke to his rebbeim, he spoke to some professionals, and they said, you know, you don't want to get into yourself into this mess. It's not worth it. He dropped the shidduch, he canceled the engagement. A year later, Baruch Hashem, he's engaged again. But he says to Rabbi Ostrov, I, can't, I keep on going back to the other shidduch. She was so much prettier. And I can't get her off my mind. So he says, but, but don't you understand that it's all chitzonius? You saw for yourself. It's all superficial. Inside it was rotten. He says, yes, but I still can't get it off my mind. So he points out Shaya Ostrov like this. He says, this he feels is a phenomenon which really relates to what's happening in our society at large. That the outside world has seeped in so deeply that we lost our values. And he, he mentions this, this same example. It was, this was the, the letter was written uh, shortly after Sukkis. He said he picked up some from magazines to read over Yomtev. He said there are literally hundreds of pages advertising all the best Gashmius in the world. Of course, everything is 100% kosher in the Mahadrin. It is. But at the same time, it goes against the basic values of who we are and what we stand for. Now, I just want to point out, disclaimer, I'm not on the level of giving Musa to anybody. I'm just trying to articulate what I think was mentioned and what was the intent of that letter of the Mayasas Gedoy Le'at So, going back here, 
The magazines have these advertisements. For example, the latest fad is Florida, traveling to Florida is for the poor people. Instead, you got to travel to Dubai. And you see these advertisements, you come to Dubai and you're going to stay in a five-star hotel and you're going to get glock kosher food, five meals a day, 24-hour tea room. And you're going to get every single luxury under the sun. And of course, there's going to be shiurim from Rabbanim and there's going to be things that are going to stimulate you, gashmius, ruchnius, everything. You got to go. If you're in... If you're a person, if you're a member of society, that's the place to go. Dubai. And now, not only is it going to Dubai, but you're going to have full-page advertisements of supermarkets who sell you the best cuts of meat in the world. You see these trays filled with amazing cuts of meat. And there's a whole description about the quality of the meat. It's encrusted and it's, uh, it's smoked. And it's mamish on this great high level. You gotta have it. 100% kosher, a bunch of ashgachas on it, 100% chsidish shechita. And so on and so forth that goes on, as he describes in the clothing, and you get custom suits, everything, mamish, perfectly tailor fit for every single chsidish yid. You got a custom fit strimal, a custom fit bekashep, and whatever it is, exactly as you want it, exactly as you need it. And he says, and by Ostrov, this is seeping into our community and it's changing our mentality. So if once there was a point in time that nobody would ever think about putting an ad with like uh, a whole big platter of meats and making this your advertisement for the store, nobody would imagine such a thing that it would fly, that people would even look at it. It would be a, a bizarre. You're putting this in a kosher newspaper, such a thing? Talk about food in such a way? Today it's become the norm. And the more it seeps in, so the more it changes without realizing it, our way of thinking. And now we tend to think only in terms of chitzonius. How am I going to benefit from it? What's in it for me? And how is it going to look to other people? And therefore, that's how we explain that situation with that particular bacher who was about to break his second shidduch because he couldn't get his mind off the chitzonius. So what we see from here, Rabbi Yisai, is this idea that the influence of the outside world is slowly seeping in. And we have to do something about it because we cannot allow it to take over our lives so what is the Yetzirah? What is the Yetzirah? So, I think the first thing is just to speak about it, to, 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 be ma'ira, to remind ourselves that this is not how it used to be and this is now how it's supposed to be. And also, to understand that this is not good for anybody's growth. It's not good for anything, really. It's not good for Shalom Bayez. It's not good for Chinuch of our kids. And it's not good for uh, our, our bank account either. Because if we're always going to be chasing the, la- the latest fads, What's going to end up happening is that we're going to go broke. There's not going to be any money in the house. When there's no money, there's no shalom bias. And when there's no shalom bias, the chinuch of the kids suffer as well. And this is just a fact of life. Very interesting. There was a podcast with Rabbi Yosef Elephant, who's one of the Rosh Yeshivas in the Mir Yeshiva. And they were asking him chinuch questions. One of the questions they asked was, uh, and this was coming out of Lakewood. said, so boys today, um, they come home from school, towards their bar mitzvah, and they say, hey, you know, my friend Chaim... Uh, my friend, the uncle, <laughs> he's getting a custom suit for his bar mitzvah. I want to get one too. Custom suit? Who's getting a custom suit? So he said, yeah, I'm like Wataka, that's the fad. You get a custom suit for your bar mitzvah. Now the father of this young kid, this poor kid, this poor father, he can't afford a custom suit, a $600 suit for his, bar, for his son's bar mitzvah. Not only that, kids want to go to Eretz Yisrael for their bar mitzvah because everybody's doing it. Going to Eretz Yisrael for the bar mitzvah, in addition to making a, a whole bar mitzvah over here, we're talking thousands upon thousands of dollars also. Not everybody could afford it. 
And then you have the story with Kiddushim, where people make fancy Kiddushim. So anyway, the point, the question was to Rabbi Elephant, is that what can a parent tell their child when they come home and they say, you know, everyone's getting it, I want to have it too. So here's his words, it's coming from an Adam Gadol, a tremendous Talmud Chacham. He said, you're all nuts. That was his answer. He said, there's no such thing, this is never how it was, he said, Yerushalayim, we don't have these struggles. And he said, a parent has to learn. You're allowed to say to your child, no. There's nothing wrong with it. You just explained to him, we cannot afford it. Ayanko's getting it, Shmeril's getting it, okay, maybe they could. I'm just simply not on that level. Every parent is allowed to say no. But the problem is, is that we have our own struggles as adults because we have the peer pressure from other adults who try to pull us in. So Rabbi Yisai, what is the Eitzah here? So I want to tell you uh, about a very interesting interview that I watched from the late Rabbi Dr. Tversky. Zechat Tzadik Levrach, was just nifter last week. And he was a man who dedicated his life as a psychiatrist to help save addicts, drug addicts, alcoholics. And through his work, he literally saved the lives of thousands of people. And he said there's two important Yisoidists that he found. At the core of the problem that causes these things, and at the same time, at the solution to it. He says the first thing is, is that people forget the difference between what it means to have pleasure and what it means to have happiness. As a human being, we're always, we want to, we want to have, a, we want to be happy. But what we confuse is, we confuse pleasure for happiness. So he said, here you have this fellow who's looking for happiness, but what ends up happening is that instead he's just chasing the latest pleasure in the world. In the particular case of the people that he dealt with, so they liked the feeling of getting high, it gave them pleasure. But the problem is, is that once they get it, they're seeking more of it. And what ends up happening is very quickly, they become addicted to the drugs. The same thing with alcohol. You get a certain feeling of euphoria when you drink it, and the next thing you know, you're an addict. So that's problem number one. And problem number two is, people lack self-esteem. He says when a person doesn't feel that he has value, so he feels like, okay, you know, so what's the difference what I do? You know, it doesn't make a difference anyway, I'm not accomplishing. So, whatever, I can do whatever I want. He said, there... The, t- the core two issues that he felt were at the basis of all the problems of the addicts who he had helped and who had come to him over the years. What then is the solution? So he says, you look at the problem and then you realize the solution. What is the difference, he says, between a human being and an animal? We're both alive. But the difference is, is that a human being is not meant to get all of his benefit from pleasure. An animal, all he does is get pleasure. There's no concept of happiness by an animal. It's all about getting pleasure. So he's going to eat, he's going to sleep, and that's how he's going to live his life. And anybody who ever had a pet, so you know that for a fact, you know, if you have a cat, Lamoshal, we, we used to have one years ago, uh, back when I was still single. My parents had a cat. So you can open the, the cat food and put it near the cat. An hour after he ate, he's going to eat it. Because he doesn't have this understanding of what's not good for him. He just knows food is good, it gives me pleasure, I want to have it. Okay? So that's how an animal lives his life. But as humans, we're different. We don't have to seek pleasure. Instead, we have to understand what can give us happiness. And if we're able to figure out the way that's going to give us happiness, 
that we don't have to chase after the, the latest fads and the latest mishigas because we have happiness in what we're doing. And the way to get happiness as a Yid is by following the Torah. We have the perfect recipe, as we said before, how to conduct our lives every single day of the year, 24 hours of the day, seven days a week. And if we follow it, of course, not only by doing the, the mitzvahs, but by putting in the right efforts and the right kavanas and understanding, that, we're guaranteed, is the recipe for a happy life. And when you have happiness, you don't have to seek the latest pleasure because everything is good already. And therefore, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. I'm happy. I don't need anything else. And the second thing he said, also crucially important, is for a person to remember who he is and what he comes from. And this is something that we also have to remind ourselves from time to time. We read a couple weeks ago in Parshish B'Shalach, Vayaminu Ba'ashem of there's a famous word from Reb Tzadik, mentioned this a number of times. What does it mean they had Emunah and Moshe Rabbeinu? Emunah and Kodesh Baruch Hu, I understand. What's Emunah and Moshe Rabbeinu? So he explains, Moshe Rabbeinu represents really the entirety of Kla Yisrael. He's like the biggest tzaddik, and so all of Kla Yisrael is, is included inside of him. So in other words, Moshe Rabbeinu is Kla Yisrael. Every single Yid has to have belief. Not Kodesh Baruch Hu, but also in himself. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu created you for a purpose. He didn't just create you, Stam. He created you for a purpose that He wants you to live your life as a good Jew. And that brings Him Nachas Ruch. That makes Him happy. And if we're able to internalize that, that we have to have Emunah in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Emunah in ourselves, that the things that we do make a difference, the mitzvahs that we do are appreciated by the Rebbeinah Shalom. The Torah that we learn. The chesed that we do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks to it and it gives him nachas ruach. We remind ourselves of that. Then that's going to make us feel good about ourselves. And if you have the self-esteem, you have the amun on yourself as well, you don't have to seek those pleasures because everything is okay already. You don't need the latest fads to make you forget how difficult life is because things are good. You're feeling good. And that was actually the title, he said, of his first book. He wrote around 80 books in his lifetime. Amazing. The first book that he wrote was called Like Yourself and Others Will Too. All about a person feeling self-esteem because he felt when dealing with these drug addicts that that was really at the core of their problems is that they had a very, very bad view on themselves. And he, through his work, he tried to bring up their self-esteem and he was very successful with it. And somebody asked him, like, how did you write so many books in your life? So he said he really wrote one book and, and exactly, in 80 different ways, yeah. So, Because all the other books were really centered around this idea of a person improving his self-esteem. And as Yidin, it's much easier for us because we know that we have inside of us a neshama, which is a chalakalikami mao. My father-in-law is listening. He likes to say, we each have a neshama tahira. It's inside of us. And our neshama is directly connected to the Rabbi Neshulayla. And the things that we do make a difference. And they matter. And therefore, if we internalize that idea... We can make ourselves feel much better about the things that we do. And if we feel good about ourselves, we don't have to follow all those fads that are out there. Now, it's not going to be easy, and it's always going to be a struggle. And of course, today with social media, where people go around and they go on their vacations, their fancy vacations, or they go to the fancy restaurants, and they take pictures, and the whole world has to see it. It influences. It influences. There's no question about it. And it's a push, and everybody's doing it. But at the same time, if, we able, if we're able to, in our own little way, to remind ourselves, I don't need the latest fads to make me happy. I have happiness already. And I don't need the latest fads to make me feel good about myself. I feel good already. 
that this will help us create a barrier to remind ourselves to stay focused on what the important things in life are as Yidin, on the proper values of Yidin, the proper hashkafa on life. Of course we should all enjoy life. We should enjoy this world, but in a balanced way, the way it's always been. Not to go overboard, not to indulge ourselves in Gashmias to the point where we forget who we are, we forget that we are an Am Kadesh, like the Meyesus Gdeyelah Teres said. We're different than the Goyim. They're the one who live a life of hedonism, of chasing the latest fast, the latest pleasure. We're different. We're better. We don't need it because we have already the success and the recipe for happiness inside of us. And I just want to conclude with a beautiful story of the Magad of Yankel Galinsky. Uh, after World War II, after um, he came to Eretz Yisrael and he built a family, he was living in Bnei Brak. And it's some years later, probably around sometime in the 1960s, where he gets word that an old friend of his, back from his yeshiva days, who had unfortunately gone off the derech, had made Aliyah Eretz Yisrael. He calls him up. How you doing? I'd love to see you come for a Shabbos to spend with me and my family. He was no longer Shemer Shabbos, but he was still a good friend, an old friend, back from the home. He said, okay, I'm going to come, but I'm not going to go to your house for Shabbos. That's going to be too much for me. Instead, I'm going to stay by a relative of mine who lives in Givatayim. Givatayim is a, a, a town that neighbors B'nai Brak. And on Shabbos, I'm going to walk in, and I'll come to you for the Shabbos meal. Okay, it's, Shabbos, it's Friday night. He's sitting, he's sitting by the table waiting for his friend. He doesn't come. Okay, after some time, makes Kiddush, goes to sleep. The next day, the same thing. He waits for him. He doesn't show up. Okay, after Shabbos, he calls up his friend. He said, what happened? You were supposed to come. We were waiting for you. So he says, let me tell you what happened. I came to my relative in Givatayim, and I walked into Bnei Brak. And he said, I'm on my way to your house. And I see Bnei Brak, of course, is closed on Shabbos. All the streets are closed. You can only open it up, literally, if there's a medical emergency. Otherwise, the streets on Shabbos are filled with people. And I see families walking together, fathers walking with their sons to shul, mothers pushing their kids in strollers. And I see what a beautiful life and, 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 and wonderful and happy lifestyle there is there. And he says, Yankel, I knew when I went fry, when I became secular, that I'm getting up my Olam Haba. But I didn't know that I'm getting up my Olam Hazeh. I walked into Bnei Brak and after a while of seeing how people are enjoying Shabbos. They're having a quality time with their families. They're enjoying each other's company. They're keeping Shabbos and they're relaxed and they're peaceful. I realized not only did I give up my Olam Haba, I gave up my Olam Hazeh as well. And he said at that point, I couldn't take it anymore. I walked back. I couldn't bring myself to confront the unfortunate reality of what I had done. And this is a lesson that we can all take. Baruch Hashem, all of us are Erlich. All of us are Shem Shabbos. We have the answers to a happy life right here in the parasha, right here in the Torah, right here in everything that we do. We should utilize that. We should remember that. Strengthen our life with Simcha. And Amir Shem. we should be Zaycha Bekarev. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu should take away this terrible machla. And we should only see good things, Yeshua's reforced for God's call, Yisrael. Amen. Amen.